0: Again, good to see all of you. Uh, I've got several folks that I don't recognize, and that means they probably don't know me. They probably don't know you, so you make sure you get to them. got some folks that aren't visitors around here, so it's good to have you folks back with us today. Take your Bibles, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Many years ago, I used to say a few years ago, but I guess it's many now, somewhere around 1996, Melody and I were, went to um, the coast to um, Christian Southern Baptist Camp down there. They were having a seminar done by a group called Larry Burkett, Financial Things. Larry Burkett was the beginning of Christian finance guys who gave you counseling. Of course, now we deal with Dave Ramsey. Valerie burkett was the father of all that and really sort of set all that in motion but you could you could have them come on weekend and they teach you how to balance your checkbook and how to do things and and at that point melody and i've been married for 12 years and i felt like i was trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube and uh sort of felt discouraged but in the in the guys talking he was talking about doing what's right even when it's not convenient and he gave the story of, and I've used this story before, but I went back and found it, and I'm going to clarify some of it, but went back and told the story about two men. They were best friends. They started a business together, and the business just exploded. Both of them were Christians, professed to be Christians, and the business exploded. Um, Several buildings, hundreds, hundred or hundreds, employees, just multi-million dollar corporation, and this one man comes to work one day and his key won't work in the door. And So he's tapping on the door and his partner comes to the door, looks through the little window and says, Get off the property. I own it. Well, This guy was friends with Larry Burkett, called him up. They called in attorneys. You can sue him. I'm not sure about that. He said, well, you can. He's not acting like a Christian. If he's not acting like a Christian, then you can sue him. He said, I'm, I don't think I can sue him. He said, I'll just take the wrong. I don't remember how much time elapsed. It was enough time, maybe a couple of years, that this man got a phone call one day. and said, is your name so-and-so? He said, yes. He said, well, I'm with such a such a company and we are in the middle of buying your former company. And in our investigation, we found your name listed as one of the owners. And we don't find anything in the paperwork that you ever relinquished that or that was ever signed over. So he told them the story. I said, okay. The guy he was talking to wasn't a Christian. It was a, a, a very large conglomerate that was swallowing them up. And so his partner, who owned the business, came, came to closing. He signed the papers at closing, and they handed him a check. They thought it was a check. And in it was a card that says, zero. We're giving your shares, all your shares, and his shares to your partner, that you threw out without legal standing you get nothing and if you want to sue us you go right ahead the guy that was telling the story says he was a, he was a financial counselor for them he would come to seminars he said I know that story because I'm that guy sometimes we find ourselves working for monsters sometimes you find yourself working for people that are not only not Christian, they're not not Christians. They don't operate under any type of Christian ethic. We have today that corporate policies and corporate financials take precedent over you and you can spend 39 years and 362 days laboring facing retirement and getting the gold watch and getting the full retirement and finding out you've been let go three days before you retire and you get nothing. Welcome to corporate. Or you find out that you've got a, a, a boss that is asking a lot more of you than you feel like you should be paid, should be doing. What do you do? Well, that question and many are going to be answered in our text today because we begin in verse 22 of chapter 3. We have been looking at this issue of abstract reality. And what I've been talking about is, is taking verses 10 through 17, that new man, that new man who's now to be putting on love and compassionate hearts and kindness and humility verse 12, bearing it all, forgiving and and bearing reproach and and forgiving putting on love the peace of christ is ruling his heart the word of christ is dwelling in him richly and everything he does he wants to do for the honor and glory of his savior what does that look like well it looks like wives submitting to your husbands in verse 18 as fitting to the lord it looks like husbands loving your wives and do not be harsh with them. It looks like children obeying your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. It looks like fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And here it is. This is what it looks like for bond servants and slaves to their masters. Here we go. Bond servants obey in everything. You need to underline that. In everything. Those who are your earthly masters, not by eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity and heart fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ. I want you to notice that little phrase from verse 22. How many times the Lord comes up in that text? Verse 22, fearing the Lord. Verse 23, as for the Lord. Verse 24, you are from the Lord. Verse 24, serving the Lord Christ. For wrongdoers, verse 25, will be paid back from the wrong that he has done, and there is no partiality. Chapter 4, verse 1 is a horrible chapter break, by the way. It really belongs in chapter 3, but this is where it has it. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The title of this today, under abstract to reality, is the new man and his new work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your text, for the word. Father, may we apply it to our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We've covered the part about husbands and wives in verses 18 through 21 and parents and children. And this is where we're living out, as I said, verses 10 through 17, what this new man looks like as it shows up in their relationship in the home between husband and wife, between children and their parents, being obedient. And finally, it shows up in society. It shows up in the workplace It shows up in the slave master or you can, most of us aren't slaves in here by the pure sense of the word. It shows up in employee and employer relationships. Well, the conflict still rages though, doesn't it? Whether, whatever side you want to choose, whether it be employee or employer, by the day's standards both are selfish and often unreasonable. I was just watching a strike that happened in Detroit and they want the same pay for 10 hours less work a week. Well, that sounds great unless you're the business having to operate on that or as we're finding out in California, let's play pay hamburger flippers $20 an hour. One lady said $50. <laughs> $50 an hour. Do you have any clue what a Happy Meal is going to cost you? okay it's, it's, it's idiocy but that's where selfishness and unreasonableness comes in doesn't it when we're the center of our universe when we're the center and everything's about me then everything's about me you're going to do it my way the 20 hour flipping of the hamburgers the, the harsh treatment that we see even among big corporations Fewer hours, more vacation, more money, more benefits, and doing less all the time. How do we display the new man in your workplace? How do you do that? How does this affect the way that I respond to my master, to the one who, it, and he is your master. If you're, if you're responsible for that person from 8 in the morning till 5, he's your master. Okay, That is a master. How am I to respond to my master who's being unjust? How am I to respond as a master to a lazy person? And I will take this qualification because this is written in Colossians. To Christians, both are believers. Mm. See the problem? Yeah. Hmm. Greed is at the heart, isn't it? God's design of earning a living and providing for family and servicing of others is God's design. Someone has to be in charge and someone has to labor. Someone has to put the plans together. Someone has to make the product. That's the way it works and that's the way it's always worked. Today, we find a society, even among Christians, that want something for nothing. They want to acquire in four years what took mom and dad 40 years to acquire. And they're willing to sacrifice their soul to get it. But biblically, there remains still this authority structure as God designed in the family. It's there. It's to be seen as wives submitting to their husbands, as children submitting to their parents, but you also find it here in the submission to authority. But submission runs both ways, we find in the text. Remember, go back to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 5. Remember this this whole text that's, that's just a parallel text. Paul has told Ephesians basically what he's telling the church at Colossae. Okay. And you can find just parallel verses, but I, I had you note when we started this that his, his, his approach was a little different in Ephesians. In Ephesians, in verse 18 of chapter 5, he talks about not being drunk with wine, but be in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, What does that look like? Does it look like speaking in tongues? Does it look like running fits? Does it look like... What does it look like? Well, it looks like addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord with your heart. That sounds familiar. That sounds like Colossians 3. Giving thanks always for everything to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That sounds like Colossians 3. But here's something different. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ranking under making others more important than yourself. That's the theme. Verse 22, the word submit does not appear. It is drawn from verse 21. It actually reads, wives to your own husbands. This is how we know we have a continuation of verse 21. He is illustrating what submitting to one another. Mutual submission looks like. It looks like wives to their own husbands Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He put us first. He could have called 10,000 legions of angels to come rescue him. He didn't. Why? Because he was dying for our sins. He put our need for a Savior above his own. That's the way a husband is to lead his home. And He called a timeout right here. some people when they hear me say when the scriptures say wives submit to your husbands you think I'm telling you to submit to a tyrant and it's not what I'm telling you if your husband is abusing you come see me he won't like my response I'll call the law I'll call anybody I need to God's given people in our lives to protect you wives do not under any circumstances put up with any type of abuse never do that husbands. you are to love her as Christ loved the church you are to provide her she is your she is, your she is the weaker vessel you are to care for her like that that's the end of my commercial All right? but that's the submitting part Wives submitting in order, in rank, in home, that the husband is the leader of the home. But the husband's leading by submitting, by putting the needs of his wife and his family above his own. Children submit to their parents. Parents submit to their children by not provoking them, but bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And servants and masters submit to each other in a unique way. Employees submission. Now, turn back to our text. Bond servants. The word is slave. Slave. It's used the same word that's used in, that Jonathan read for us in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with sincerity, heart, as you would Christ. Slaves. Now, you, have to, you we have to pause a minute understanding in exegesis whatever the original intent of the text was how the audience heard it is what Paul meant okay what was the slave relationship when this was written around 60 70 80 AD hmm. they lived in the roman culture rome had conquered this goes on from, from, I'll give you the dates in a minute. This Roman culture, slaves had no rights, zero. They were treated as commercial commodity. They were traded just like you would a tractor, or like you would a piece of equipment, or, or a tool. They, they, were, they were bought sold, traded, used, discarded, as you would, animals and tools. And in that culture, Paul writes, slaves obey them in everything. Paul, do you have any idea what I'm living in? I do. I do. One Roman writer said that the articulate are slaves, the inarticulate are animals, and the mute are tools. Well, when we think of slavery I know what we think of we think of the 1700s and 1800s in our country right that's, what, that's where our mind is drawn through that's, that's our history a horrible history but that's where our mind is drawn through do you understand that slavery has existed for over 11,000 years and still exists today maybe not here in the fullest purest sense of the word but it, 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 it is around the world you got young ladies being sold into sex slavery every day. Listen, and some in this country. This is what's happening. From 508 BC to 27 BC, some have estimated that 60 million people inside the Roman Empire were slaves. Over half of the population and over half of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. Slavery was not based on race. Very few of them would have been African. They would have been European. Because you look where Rome conquered, they just took over wherever they were. And so they made the people in that country their slaves. And they were either, okay, you're now going to be baking bread for me. Or you're going to go fight for me. Or you're, you're really smart. You're a Daniel and I'm going to take you back to Rome and make you my personal slave because you're to my benefit there. They could do anything they wanted to with conquered people. They could stay in the country. They could fight for them. They could come do the crops back to Rome. Again, You've got to understand, I hate to put it this way, but you have to understand, there weren't tractors. There weren't trucks to do hauling there weren't motor graders the roman road i've stood on a portion of it in albania it's it is it is still there it's unbelievable and it's cobblestones he won't lay by no machine every stone was placed by a slave that's how it was From 598 to 587 B.C., who were slaves? Yeah, that's when Israel was invaded, wasn't it? They say some 25% of the population was taken back to Babylon and were there for 70 plus years. In fact, when they came back and were allowed to come back, some stayed. Life had gotten good for them. In Babylon, they had worked themselves up. They had, they have, made maybe even as we'll we'll find out, you could work and pay your your slave bill off, or you could be such a benefit to the master that that he would need you to be able to sign for him, and you couldn't sign for him, represent him if you were a slave, and so he would set you free to make you one of his managers, or you could obviously we could think of of Joseph, can't we? Joseph was sold into slavery and became the second powerful person in the kingdom of Egypt. Right? Well, the Roman Empire had a, a phrase for setting setting free. It's called manumission. It's the way it's pronounced. It means to set free. You could be set free because you've labored a certain period of time and you've worked hard and you've earned your freedom and they would set you free. You could buy your freedom. It would come up with a price and you would labor that off until it was paid off. But many, many slaves remained with their masters and earned a living and had families and stayed in Rome. My great-grandfather inherited three slaves. I hate to say it, but it's in our, it's in our history. They inherited three slaves. He hated it. But what was he to do? What was he to do? It's 1850. What are you supposed to do? Where are they going? They can't own anything. They can't do anything. As far as in, in the colonies are concerned. So Papa said, I know what I want to do. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to give them land on, on a part of our 600 acres. I'm going to build them a house on it. And I'm going to employ them and pay them a salary. When emancipation happened in eighteen sixty five, do you know how many of the slave families on my grandfather, my great grandfather's farm left? Zero. They had already been set free. Same thing's true in Rome. You had some that had earned their their freedom and decided to stay because their life had become at least some semblance of of, 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 of joy. MacArthur in his commentary talks about the Roman statesman Cato. says, old slaves should be thrown on the dump. And when a slave is ill, do not feed him anything more. It is not worth your money. Take six slaves and throw them away just like they are nothing but insufficient pools. End quote. Augustus crucified a slave who accidentally killed a pet quail. And another one threw a slave into a pond of deadly um, eels for breaking a crystal goblet. One wrote of a slave owner whose greatest pleasure was listening to the sweet sounds of his slaves being flogged. End quote. Wow. And again, these weren't Africans. These were Europeans. These were Jewish people. They were just slaves pagan slaves were scripturally, ha- what does the Bible have to say about slavery? This question. Does the Bible condemn slavery? Yes, in some words it does. Okay. But the Bible accepts where you are and tells you how to live in the situation that you find yourself. The Bible recognizes in the fall of man, this is what's going to happen. You are going to have people to rule and you're going to have people to serve. That's the way it's going to be. And how are you to live this out? The Bible' is clear, pagan slaves were not to be abused or even uh, and were given their freedom if seriously injured by their masters in exodus twenty one. A slave who who fled from an oppressive master was given asylum and protection, according to deuteronomy twenty three. A fellow Israelite could not be used as a slave for more than six years, and at the end of which had to be given liberal provisions as a a form of severance pay, according to Exodus 21 and Deuteronomy 15. Every 15th year, the year of Jubilee, all slaves were to be freed and returned to their families, according to Leviticus 25. A slave who loved his master and preferred to remain with him could voluntarily endanger himself for life for having his ear pierced by his master according to Exodus 21 this kind of slavery controlled by scripture teaching was blessed to be both employer and employee was a revealing and unfulfilling relationship between them Writer goes on to say where Christ's love is lived out in the power of the Holy Spirit unjust barriers and relationships are inevitably broken down as the Roman Empire deteriorated and eventually collapsed, the brutal abusive system of slavery collapsed with it in a great measure to influence to the influence of Christianity. End quote. As a slave, you could be a slave by birth. If your mom and dad were slaves and you were born to that, you were born a slave. You could be made a slave because of financial loss. If you got yourself in trouble, you could be made a slave of the person you owed money to. And the last way is by military conquest. The Bible does not speak against slavery in its full sense. It clearly, spe- it clearly speaks against kidnapping for the purpose of making people slaves according to Exodus 21, thus making what the United States and England did illegal. That was Wilberforce's argument. We are violating the word by doing this. Volunteers were to be treated as property, but not as slaves, and even set free in that last year that I read you about. New Testament. Does not focus on reforming society. Doesn't say anything about ending slavery. Doesn't say anything about that. It says how to to live out your Christian life in the situation you find yourself in. And they are indeed slaves and they are slave owners or employers and employees. It's the human system. Man's need is not political. We ended slavery. Have we ended man's problems in the United States? No. Okay. That doesn't mean when you bring back slavery. That's not what I'm saying. But just by ending something doesn't solve the problem because man's main problem isn't social, is it? It's not political and it's not economic. It's what? It's spiritual. His heart's got to be changed. So Paul here is addressing these slaves as slaves to have that they are their present condition how to live out my faith how to put on this new man of verse 10 how to how to, to live out this love how to live out this peace the word of Christ doing everything for the glory of Christ how am I to live that out we live it out as bondservants be obedient in everything you're to have first of all these 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 slaves we'll just call them this slaves these slaves are to have the right behavior. Present tense, obey. Uninterrupted obedience. Constantly, daily obedience. And it says in everything. You want to know what the Greek word for everything means? That's what it means. Okay, It means in everything. The things that you like and the things that you dislike. You, you know this, most of you aren't big business owners. Most of you work somehow, work with somebody in some case, or you have. You understand there are things that you're going to enjoy doing, there's things that you hate doing. That's that's the way it is. That's just it. That's just and the boss can come in and can change your makeup anytime he wants to. Says, hey, I've decided to demote you and move you over here. If you don't like it, at least we can do something that the slaves couldn't do. We can do what? You can leave, right? If you don't like it. But as believers, you you want to stay there, you're to obey in everything. As believers, you're to be, listen, you're to be more productive and more agreeable than anybody else in the office. Instead of why me, it should be glad to. What else can I do? Let me put it this way to you. If the only testimony of Christianity your boss has in a visual is you, does he want to have anything to do with Christ because of the way you work? Yeah, that is the response. Mm. Isn't it? Will he listen to you about Christ if you're doing shoddy, careless constantly complaining, oh yeah, I want to bite you to church. I don't want to go to your church. Are you kidding me? That's This is what you produce? I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you can't work under the policies, the situation, then find another job. You're welcome to do that. I had to do that when I came here. I was working as a... I hated it. Talk about work jobs. I hate <laughs> I, I'm I'm not a salesman. If, if, if I, I'm going to starve, I can't sell <laughs> snow to anybody. I, much less es- Eskimos. I despise it. And and to make dry calls where you're going to get one out of a hundred, I'm going to blow my brains out at twenty. Okay, it just I can't do it. I just I'm not cut that way. So yeah, just make all these phone calls and everything, and got a guy on the phone and we're selling software and yeah you need this software and I'm thinking I don't know why he needs the software but okay you need the software and, 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 and I barely know what software I can spell it but that's about it I don't know all that it does and he says do you have integrated accounting? well I knew we didn't I knew that much and I looked at my boss and who said he wants to know if we got integrated accounting he said tell him yes you tell him yes where does my obedience end? Right there. If he's asking me to violate Scripture, if he's asking me to violate the law, the answer is no. I will not obey. Some of you, some of our folks went through this with COVID. That's fine. That's where you drove the line. Getting a shot or not getting a shot. That's, that's fine. You worked that out. Okay? But if you stay there, And they say you have to get a shot. Guess what you got to get? You got to get the shot, or you go somewhere else. Okay? And we have people to do that. That's fine. Okay? But if you're going to stay, to the best of your ability, I had a guy, my brother-in-law's contractor's up in the mountains, and this guy's building his own house and making parts of it, and. Brian and John were building parts of it. And he had a big old uh, fireplace up in the second story, but it obviously went all the way down through the basement. And his basement, the, the, the ceiling in the basement was like 15 feet. So this, this foundation, this fireplace started way down in the basement, went up went through the floor. So he wanted me to mix concrete and the wheelbarrow for him. So we're mixing concrete, and he's laying rock around the fireplace upstairs. Okay, and I, okay, that's fine. All right, I'll mix concrete, put it in the bucket, and I've got to take it. Then he gets the bright idea to go, <clears throat> I tell you what, let's mix the concrete to pour so that the foundation, the whole bottom part of this fireplace is full of concrete from the basement floor all the way to the first floor. I said, you got any idea how much concrete that's going to take? <laughs> <laughs> so they calculated three and a half yards that he wants me to mix in a wheelbarrow and bring to him in a bucket. You want to guess what my answer was? I had to go back the next day and apologize. I did. But I still couldn't mix concrete. And he finally called the truck. I said something. To he hired me back to do some other stuff and I said something to the concrete guy that came. I said um, he was thinking about mixing this in the concrete. He goes, "Is he an idiot?" I said, <laughs> no copy of Okay. All right, we'll just leave it at that. All right, okay, okay. But sometimes you can't say no if it's if it's beyond your ability. If you physically can't, I physically could not mix three and a half yards of concrete in a wheelbarrow and carry it to him in the back. I couldn't do it. But if I stayed, I had to obey. I could plead my case. Now this leads to the second one we'll look at in a minute. What about the master? <coughs> are you that stupid of a master? You're not going to listen to your employees? Some are. Think they know everything. Well, well, let's ask the question here. Bond servants obey in everything those that your earthly masters, not by eye services, people pleasers, but as with a sincerity of heart, fearing fearing the Lord. Turn with me over to a couple of books. First Timothy chapter 6, just a moment. First Timothy chapter 6. Verses 1 and 2. Let all who are under a yoke of bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and and the teaching may not be reviled for those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the grounds that they are brothers rather they must serve all the better since they who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved I'm asking the question what's at stake here what's at stake here living a testimony I'm working for a brother that's worthy of all honor I'm to be a blessing to him. I'm, I'm to be a laborer for him. Same thing's true in Titus chapter 2 when it talks about uh, the ladies and, and obeying. What's at stake in Titus 2 verse 5? Be self-controlled, pure, working at home, submissive to your own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Same word, by the way. Slandered. <clears throat> to be spoken lightly of to be spoken evil against, to blaspheme. See, in this economy, when we're talking about Colossians, there's a good chance that both slave and master sat on the same pew together. And how were they to be received in the church? Do you remember? Do you remember back up in verse... 11 of chapter 3 of Colossians what did it say there's no Greek there's no Jew there's no circumcision uncircumcised barbarian Scythian free but Christ is all and in Christ what are we say not here you might be slave and master out there an employee and employer out there but in here you're equal and it may be that the slave was teaching the class The interesting thing is, do you know who was from Colossae, by the way? Another letter was written for somebody that was Colossae. You don't know the member of this church? Philemon, Who was the slave? Onesimus, really? Do you know there's a good chance that Onesimus brought both letters back to the church at Colossae? both this one and the one to Philemon could have brought both of them back at the same time hmm. this is what's at stake well they sit together in the worship service completely equal but on the job I submit I lead in Titus 2 did I mention just a minute a minute ago in Titus 2 verses 9 and 10. Paul here reminds them in verses 9 and 10, bond servants to be submissive to their masters in everything. There it is again. He said it a third time now. And they are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing good faith so that in everything... They may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior to make compellingly attractive. When I work, my my work gives testimony of the gospel that I live and it's attractive. My dad was in the military and he had a co-pilot. My dad was a pilot, of B-24 Liberator. It was off time and his co-pilot Cecil told somebody, my dad wasn't there, the other guy told him, he said, that your co-pilot Cecil looked at me one day and said, I don't have religion, but if I ever get religion, I want what Johnson's got. He said, I've never seen somebody live his faith. Can your employer say that about you? That you're adorning the doctrine of God? You're living it out? There's a right attitude that goes with this as well, in a right manner. Not in verse um, verse 22 again. Not by why may of have, have service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart to the Lord. Works. This is uh, this eye service. It works only when he's being watched. You know these people. They're clock watchers. When the boss comes around, they get busy. As soon as the boss disappears, they get their phones out. They they Google everything in the world. They're off the clock. They work only when being watched. They only do the minimum demands. They work only for the visual appeal to others. They're people pleasers, it says. Same words used in Ephesians 6 and verse 6. To have people uh, that you're focused on, to work for the praise of people. That's what you want. You want the adorations of people. You want people to brag on you. And it's superficial, it's hypocritical, and it's concerned with appearance more than it's concerned with reality, isn't it? Well, this right attitude leads to a right attitude of sincerity of heart in verse 22, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord, singleness of heart, a concentrated focus. Everything is seen that no misdeed or faulty motive is hidden in duplicity. In other words, I'm not not doing two things, I'm doing one. I have a singleness of heart of doing this. When you're on the job, you're, you're all there. And you're aware that God sees both action and what? Attitude. Sees it both. One of the worst spankings I got at home is I was supposed to take the garbage out. And our garbage, we had one of these burn pits, and we take stuff out. We 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 contributed to global warming and, and <laughs> destruction of those ozone layer and everything. So I mean, we we just put it all out there. And, and I I took the garbage out and I came back and I got my rear end flogged. Dad said I was watching you from the window. And I could read your lips. Note to self. Don't say anything you with your lips moving. Okay. Okay. That was not the only message I got, right? Your attitude's not right, son. We had Doctor Bob the third here, Doctor Bob Senior. My dad's brother was at school at Bob Jones and it was a Saturday and he couldn't go off campus. He had done something, he was campus and he always went to the golf course on Saturday. And he was walking around campus just mumbling. And Dr. Bob happened to see him out his office window and called, told somebody to go get that boy, brought him up. And my uncle told the story. He said he ripped into me and, I, and he did not... He did not get his eyes off of me until I looked down. I was, I was challenging him with my eyes and said he ripped into me and he read me like a book. And when he convicted my heart, he said my eyes dropped and at that point he sat down. It's an attitude, isn't it? Sometimes we're not all there. Singleness of heart, sincerity of heart, There's there's no hidden duplicity. There's no no hiddenness there. That it's both an attitude and action. And it says, fearing the Lord. Well, that can mean one of two things. That's the manner in which I serve is done. In other words, I do it fearing the Lord. Or it's the motivation of my service. (laughs) I fear the Lord. The manner in which I do it fearing, <coughs> the motivation knowing mm, I know how this will end. Okay, It occurs when a person rightly apprehends who God is and who they are and are not before Him. This is when the fearing happens. I'm afraid we're living in the age. Turn back, turn back to Romans just a moment. Romans chapter uh, 3. I remind you of the indictment that Paul puts upon man and in verse 18 there is no fear of God before their eyes I cringe at what people say on the internet and places they don't fear God anymore but I'm not sure we do either do we we work like that fearing the Lord knowing that the Lord can take it out of our hide if he wants to is that the motivation We're to ever live in the awareness of the presence of the Lord and His claim upon upon us and every thought and every word and every action that we do. He has a claim upon it. It leads to a right action in verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You do all the assigned responsibilities. You do it with total enthusiasm. Do it heartily. We can stop now, can't we? We just can we just just close this off. Let's be done, okay? It's like get off. All right, I'm done. It's not word circumstances by the way it's inward character that's revealed here as to the Lord whatever we are to be given to do or by our earthly our, our earthly masters we are do it to the Lord present task actually to the Lord he is our audience I'm doing it to him remember we talked about singing who are we singing to Sunday you're not singing to me you're not singing to Randy. You're not singing to person sitting on the Who are you singing to? You're singing to God. Right? Our worship is to God. Our work is to that. I work I work to God. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the, to, for the Lord and not for men. I do it for Him. As an act of worship arising from the death of my heart. Remember Romans 12? Beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies what? a living sacrifice that everything you do is to be a living sacrifice to God as a praise to Him for everything you have the ability, the job, the place listen, I'd love to take some of you I'd love to take a lot of you, a lot of people, and slap them right down in the middle of Reflections Baptist Church, and take them to Pastor Timba's house, and tell you to live there for six months, and I'll come back and get you. They have nothing, Pastor. I, I mean, I don't have slaves. Yes, you do. It's called Maytag frigid air right we don't do all that stuff it's to be done as a living sacrifice to the Lord God you've given me the ability to work with my hands you've given me the job you've given me the the pay everything is yours it's yours I'm doing it to you and I ask the question My who are you working for We believe in the sovereignty of God, don't we? Till it gets uncomfortable, we believe in the sovereignty of God as long as we're talking about yes, we will, even salvation, but even sickness. What if what if the sovereignty of God applies to where you're working? It does. God has control of that too, and it says not for men not the approval of my master. That's not who I'm working for. It's not for earthly award, reward. My motive is higher. This, this transform any earthly duty, no matter how lowly or demeaning or how distasteful, into an act of worship rendering out of our heart up to God. God, I'm, I'm just digging a ditch, but I'm, I'm doing it for you. Mm-hmm. provides the work and the ability and the master. Verse 24 leads to a right motive. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. This mindset of unceasing, this unceasing line of thought regardless of the assignments. Unceasing, I, I am knowing that from the Lord. I'm knowing it. I'm. It's it's actually since you know, you know that from the Lord to look beyond the immediate, beyond the master slave relationship, even past your life to look to the Lord. And that you will receive this recompense comes immediately and in the future. We have an inheritance with Him, don't we? But the Lord promises now to take care of our needs according to His, uh, his riches and glory. He's mentioned this inheritance in chapter 1. Look back in Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 12. He mentioned it there, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light... What is this inheritance? We could call it salvation. It's used in Galatians 3, Ephesians, a couple of places, three times in Ephesians. It's a particular and unique reward. It's an inheritance. You know, back to our definition of slaves. Remember, slaves were, not, were prohibited from receiving an earthly inheritance. Unless you were given a special power and a special authority by the Master. You know what awaits us as believers? You know the inheritance we have with Him? And then there's a right reminder at the end of the verse you are serving the Lord Christ. You belong to the King, you belong to Him. You're ultimately serving Christ. Our ultimate, our true and ultimate master is Christ. But he doesn't just leave it there. Verse 25, he talks about poor service, doesn't he? For the wrongdoer will be paid back from the wrongdoing he has done and there's no partiality The word wrong does not conform to the righteous character and standard of a just God. That's what it actually means. It's doing less than your best. It means to do the minimum, not the maximum. It means to do, to impress. It's not from the heart. That's the wrongdoer. And he'll be paid back for his wrong that he's done. can fool your master on earth but you can't fool your master in heaven can you right he knows he knows the shortcut cuts you're taking he knows what you're stealing he knows that you're coming in late and leaving early he he knows all that he sees it all i'm fool my master i can tell him whatever but i can't fool the lord And this word here, partiality, is favoritism. Treating people on the basis of their appearance. God said, I don't do that. I treat you all the same. The Lord will discipline in cases of disobedience. In Galatians 6, verse 7, you can read that. We're not to assume or presume on the Christianity to justify disobedience. By the way, if you're going to use a scripture verse... Not do something, you better make sure it's right. If you got a question, you better come ask me or ask Bob or ask Jonathan before you pull a scripture out of context to prove something that ain't what it proves at all. We could put it this way verse 25 is you reap what you sow, don't you? You get what you sow. Before we finish, just the last few minutes, masters. Masters treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. This master must be reminded that he is to be just, he's to be right. He's to pay the he's to pay the, the slave or the employee a wage worthy of his hire. And it's to be fair. It's to be equitable. It's to be the right way. It's how you want to be treated. Is that the way you want to be treated? Do, do, do you want to do that job? Would you, would you ask somebody to do a job that you wouldn't be willing to do? You may not be able to do it. Would you be willing to do that job? Masters, are you treating them like you want to be treated? Because God's watching you too. This is the beginning of my story. God saw all that happen between those two men. And the man did right by saying, I'm not going to sue him. I can't. When lawyers and Christian people were telling me he can, he's acting like a lost person. I'm going to stick with the scripture. I cannot sue him. I will not sue him. God will take care of me. And he got it all back. Plus tenfold. Now, does that always happen, by the way? No, it doesn't. Sometimes the right will not be restored until you stand before the Lord one day. Right? Yeah. Some of these slaves never escaped slavery. They died in it. But they served the Lord. But you masters, you're to treat them with equity and fairness. Why? Because you have a master in heaven. You know, if there's a brother or sister in Christ or a lost person in need of Christ, you're to treat them the same. Either way, you have a master in heaven holding you accountable for how you treat those that work for you. This is my sister, my brother in Christ. As God has given to me. How, how can I treat them with dignity and honor? This is a lost person. And this person needs Christ. And I don't want to be the one standing in the way of him saying, I don't want to have anything to do with your king. I don't want to have anything to do with your Christ. If that's the way you treat people, I don't want to lose the example of a believer being a reproach upon the Lord by hindering the gospel. Why would I want to be a Christian like you if you treat me like that? It's a legitimate question. Abstract reality. Abstract, put on hearts of love, compassionate hearts, kindness. Bind it all together with love. Let the peace of God umpire. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Do all things for the glory of God. That's abstract. Reality, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't frustrate your children to the point of of exhaustion and discouragement. Slaves, employees, work like you're working for the Lord. And you masters, remember, you too have a master in heaven who's watching you. Abstract reality. Father, taken a while to get through that text lord you've done a work in us and it's still doing and lord i do pray for that employee that's sitting here today that's frustrated that's that's living and working under conditions that aren't, aren't aren't the best maybe they do have a hard taskmaster But Lord, we believe in a sovereign God who does all things right and well and who works all things according to the counsel of your will, even to the point of you putting us in that place to work for that person. So we'd ask that person, are you living out a testimony before your lost master that would draw them to the gospel? Are you working with all your heart? Are you not doing it for high services, men pleasers, but to the Lord, for the Lord, fearing the Lord? And you masters. You treating people justly and fairly. This is what it looks like living out this issue of of kindness and humility and binding it all together with love. This is this is the reality. This is where it shows up. It shows up in our families and it shows up in our culture and our work and our society. Father, we know that our testimony isn't sufficient enough to save someone but father you can use it to draw them the question for us is are we being a hindrance to that are we standing in the way of that are we causing those lost people to blaspheme against my savior simply because I don't do the work that I'm supposed to do Am I a hindrance to my employees as an employer because I treat them unfairly? And then I want to talk to them about coming to church? They don't want to hear it. Father, maybe we have testimony. May, may our, our lost employees look and say, I, I, I don't have religion, but if I do, I want what my boss has. or a boss to say you know what I, I'm i not a Christian but she is a, she's the best worker I've got something's made a difference in her life I, I want to hear more about that Father I pray for that work of grace in us and through us that you would be honored and glorified in Christ's name we pray Amen